What a great day today to be in church. If you have your Bibles, won't you go with me over to, <clears throat> we're going to go there today. We're going to the Song of Solomon. The Song of Songs. If you don't know what that is, it's all right. We're going to break it down for, in just a little bit. But if you have your Bibles, go with me over to the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. You may see it uh, named one of those. We're, we're launching a collection of talks today uh, called Love Songs, Love Songs. And maybe you heard a few familiar songs uh, up there a few moments ago. When that Whitney Houston jam came on, I, I almost broke out with a little dance there. That was good. Uh, but if you have about your Bibles, yeah, head over there to Song of Solomon. Uh, let, me, let me just say this really quick. I was, I was thinking about this, and I wanted to take a moment to, to say this, you know. Um, this is probably, I don't know, maybe Friday night whenever I was driving back home from, from an event that Jennifer and I and some of our friends we were able to be at. Um, I just started thinking about the, just the honor that Jennifer and I have to be able to be pastors here in this city and to pastor this church. And, uh, you know, the word pastor, it actually comes from a Latin word, a Latin noun um, that means shepherd, shepherd. And I know I don't look like a shepherd, although I have like a fake sheep skin or something up here. But uh, I know I don't look like a shepherd. But here, here's what it is. It's a, it's a biblical term. We say pastor now as a title, but it comes from, from the scriptures. And the Bible would talk about spiritual leaders in, in the scriptures as a shepherd, would liken them to a shepherd. And, um, and, and what a shepherd does is simply, it's, this is the job description of a shepherd. It's really easy. You lead and you feed. You lead and you feed. As a shepherd, you lead and you feed sheep. That's what you do. You lead them to hillsides of green pastures for them to, to feed in places and spaces that are safe and secure and protected. And that shepherd, he guards the, the flock. That shepherd, he protects the flock. If wolves come, then he would protect the sheep from, from, from predators and things like that. But the shepherd's primary role is to lead and to feed. And I was just thinking about that. And I thought how much of an honor it is for Jennifer and I to get to be shepherds in this city, to be pastors in this city, to, get, uh, to, to be a part of what God is doing at this time in this city and in the Bay Area. God is truly doing something remarkable in the city. There are, there are life-giving churches that are being planted in our city, great pastors that we're friends with, and there's existing churches that are great churches in this city. And I really sense and I really believe that God is doing something amazing. But for me, as I drove, drove back uh, home Friday night, I just started thinking, I was like, I'm, I'm really, I'm blown away that people show up on a weekend and that people come here saying, hey, listen, I, I'm here and, and, and we're leaning in, lead and feed, do what you do and the team do what you do. And I just want to tell you, thank you for allowing us to pastor you. And if you call this church home and you call us pastor, thank you. We truly, you know, we know that we're not perfect. Uh, we're just trying to figure things out. And uh, thank you for your patience in our development. Amen. Uh, as we do our best to lead and feed, but we, we do consider it an honor. Come on, Dwayne. I love you, my man. We do love you so much. And so, you know, as, as a person that's responsible for leading and feeding, uh, one of the things that we do uh, is we, we begin to pray about the year, what we're going to be talking about, the different hillsides, if you will, that, that we will lead you through and to on a spiritual journey so that you, can, that you can feed on God's word so it can speak to the different areas of your life. And so we've talked about leaving a legacy. We've talked about spiritual disciplines and having uphill habits to match your uphill hopes. And we've talked about so many different things, talked about being fulfilled by knowing God and finding fulfillment in him and fulfillment in serving others and loving others. Um, but one of the hillsides we're going to camp out on for the next couple of weeks is on the topic of relationships. How many of you believe that God has something to say about our relationships? Ten of you. Awesome. God has something to say about our relationships. He cares. Relationships are some of the most complex things 
in, in the world. And, and because they're so complex, because there's so many challenges, God likes to speak to us and give us direction and guidance. And I've just discovered in my own life that God's way is the best way. God's way uh, to handle your finances is the best way. God's way to handle your relationships is the best way. God's way to handle your business, it's the best way. He, he just, when you do it the way he planned and designed for it to be, his blessing will rest upon it. His favor will rest upon it. And so we're going to be talking about relationships. And, and, uh, and I have a, 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 something that I want to do uh, before we dig into the word. I, I've entitled this Love Songs uh, because the Song of Solomon is another word, another phrase for it is the song of songs. That's a Hebrew idiom, and it comes from things like this. Like, have you ever heard king of kings, lord of lords, holy of holies, and then song of songs? And so a Hebrew idiom in this particular context, it speaks to the plurality of the subject, meaning it's plural. There's many of this particular thing. So songs, it's many songs, but it's the song of songs. So it speaks not only to the plurality of the subject, but the preeminence of that which is within the plurality of that subject. Here's what that means. This song that we're going to read today is the song of songs. It's the greatest song. In the same way that it says Jesus is the king of kings, there's many kings, but he is the king, the preeminent king over all kings. He's the preeminent Lord over all lords. He's the preeminent one. The holy of holies is there's a great holy place out of all these holy and sacred spaces. But this is saying that this is a song that is better than all the other songs. Uh, it's written, many people believe, by, the, uh, by, by Solomon, King Solomon, which was David, the psalmist that we spoke of earlier, his son, Solomon. Uh, First King says that Solomon wrote actually 1,005 songs that we know of. 1,005 songs. But the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, is the number one hit out of 1,005 that he wrote. This is his greatest hit. This is, this is his, what is it, magnum opus. This is like, this is that, that one that's like, if you're going to share a poem that you've written, this is going to be your, your poem that you can break out the good one. If you're going to go get your best song, Elton, this is going to be your song of songs. And so we're going to unpack that. But I felt like before we did that, we should take a walk down memory lane and listen to some of the great love songs of our generations. And so um, Elton and I worked on this yesterday and we pieced these together and so listen if you know these I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you if you're religious you're not gonna like our church or this collection but if you if you like to have fun we believe church should be enjoyed not endured amen and so uh if you know the lyrics to these songs uh you just go ahead and just get free and you can sing along with us could you roll that beautiful clip Cause all of me loves When the evening shadows in the stars 
Come on, why don't you clap your hands. Wasn't that great? How many of you in here by a show of hands, you heard one of your songs from back in the day? Okay, I heard one. I think it was like 1994, Boys to Men. We're not going to say what the title of that is, okay? <clears throat> hey, but here's a little disclaimer for this collection of talks. Uh, you know, th this is one of those, those books of the Bible. It's kind of controversial, uh, you know, like why did they put this in here? There's some people that, that really just are like, this doesn't really make sense uh, that, that this would be in there. Because, honestly, it's hot and heavy. Like, Song of Solomon, it's... It's probably the only X-rated book in the scriptures. Jewish tradition would even tell us, if you read through it, that, that many Jewish families would not let their children read the Song of Solomon. This is part of the Jewish scriptures. Many of them would not let their children read this until they were teenagers. Uh, so it can be hot and heavy. It, it, can ha it can be a little intense. We may start reading this, and some of you may start blushing. Some of you may just be like, oh, my goodness, and just have to fan yourself a little bit, okay? But this is God's word, and it's good, and God likes to speak. Listen, in the church, we should be speaking uh, uh, towards relationships and dating and marriage and sexuality because God's word has things to say about those topics. And so we really believe that if we're not taking our cues from God's word, we'll be taking them from culture. And if we take our cues from culture, our lives will erode. We must, we must anchor our lives, our convictions and our standards into the promises of God's word. And so having said that, here's the, here's the disclaimer is, is that if you have a child that's here that's under 13, well, you may want to just take them out for uh, this collection and you can go play in the halls and we'll feed you or something like that. But uh, if you're in here and you don't have any children, buckle up because it's going to get real. Turn to your neighbor and say, buckle up. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Let me give you some context. And today will, today will be just uh, something like buckle up, chastity belt, buckle up, you know, whatever. Yeah, anyway, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> here's three main characters. I'm going to put this on the screen for you. I'm going to give you some backdrop, a little context for, uh, for the, the book that we're going to be discussing. There's three main, main characters that you see in the Song of Solomon uh, and the Song of Songs. The first one is the lover. And so in some of your, your translations, you may see he or the lover, and that's talking about the man. Uh, it's, it's controversial uh, you know, or debated, I should say, if this is Solomon or not, King Solomon. Um, but, but most people do believe it is King Solomon that, that it, this is talking about. The lover or the man is Solomon. Uh, the second is the beloved. You'll see that in some of your translations, the beloved. This is the Shulamite maiden. You may even see that, the Shulamite maiden. It's primarily her voice uh, in these verses of this beautiful song. And then the last one that you'll see, the last character speaking threaded throughout this is the friends or the daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, it can get challenging sometimes to figure out who's speaking when uh, unless you have a Bible that kind of shows you like he and then a line from him or a line from her. But if you're just reading it without that, it's like who's talking at what moment, who's saying what, and I'll do my best to try to break it down uh, so that you understand. Uh, this was written, this song was written in 965 B.C., roughly about 1,000 years before Christ. And when you approach this particular song, when you approach this particular passage or our book of the Bible, there's really three different uh, approaches. There's the Jewish tradition, which is simply this. The Jewish tradition is that they would approach the Song of Songs uh, as an allegory about God's love for God's people, the Jewish people. And that is a, a correct interpretation of the, of the song. But then uh, that Jewish tradition influenced the, the church or Christian tradition. Christian tradition says it's not just an allegory of God's love for, for the Jewish people, but now it's, it's a picture of Christ's love for his church, for Christians, for you and I. And that's also a, a great way to approach this, and it is accurate. But then there's a third way, the modern tra uh, tradition to approach it is simply this. It is a love story. 
between two people that fall in love, that chase one another. Some of you, this is going to, you're going to remember when you were, you were dating. Two people fall in love, chasing one another in a red hot pursuit, dreaming about one another, come close to rushing things sexually and kind of making some mistakes in that area, eventually committing to one another in marriage. Uh, they appear to have some type of relational challenge or breakdown within their marriage. Then there's reconciliation, and then the song ends abruptly, like pushing pause on a love song. <clears throat> it's open-ended. The book just ends abruptly and with no real ending or closure. It just kind of ends. It's open-ended, but I think that that's exactly how it should be, right? A story about a love without end. It's a never-ending love. And so we're going to unpack that for a little while. But let me read you the, the first few verses in chapter 1. And this will give us a, a little framework for our discussion uh, and really for the whole collection. It says this in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, let him, this is the, the woman speaking, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Amen. It says, for your love is more delightful than wine, even good wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Look at this. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. No wonder all these um, other women desire you. No wonder all these other ladies are pursuing you. This, this is what she's saying. She's saying, in other words, the way that you love Solomon or this man, the way that you love, it is delightful. It is, it is desirable. It is like wine. This is a statement saying that it's something that people long for. When you walk in the room, she said your fragrance, you, you, you shift an atmosphere, not just because you have some good cologne on, but it's your presence. It's pleasing to be around you. It's like when, when people are around you, you are refreshing to be around. The way that you love people, it's refreshing and it's pleasing. And, and I read that portion of verses to you because isn't that what we desire like, don't you want to have a reputation where when you walk into the room, like, you leave a pleasant fragrance, so to speak, in the room. Like, you're, you're, a, you're a joy to be around. Like, you want your wife to say, he's a joy to be around. When he comes home from work, like, it is amazing. Like, we look forward to him coming home from work or, 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 or your kids. You want your kids to say that, like, the way that my dad loves me or the way that my mom loves me. Like, like I, I, I just want to be around them. It is pleasing. And that's our desire for you is that this collection of talks that we will help you to cultivate an attractional love that truly you'd become lovable so that people could be able to love you out of this place where you, you, have, you have opened your life up to God and said, God, pour your love into me so that I can love other people the way that you'd want me to love them. And that that would be an attractional quality. The way that you love, the way that you love your spouse, the way that you love your companion, the way that you love your children, that that love, it would actually be like an attractional quality that would draw people closer to you. That you would not be a, a man or a woman. That the way that you carry yourself, bitter, broken, wounded, uh, dealing with emotional things and you stiff arm people and people don't want to be around you and they feel like there's eggshells all around you. We, don't, we want to eliminate that and we want to help you to where you have a love in your heart, a love from God in your heart that draws people into you, draws people closer to you. That's our desire. Let me tell you why this collection is very important to us. Because we live in a generation right now, in a culture right now, where marriages are falling apart, where families are shattered and broken. Did you know, and listen, I, I, I come from a family that they walk, our parents walked through divorce. Um, and divorce is a very tough thing. It's a sensitive topic. But I believe it's God's desire that, that, men, that our marriages last forever. 
that our marriages stay strong forever. And our desire is that we would, we would help strengthen the marriages of our church, the relationships of our church, the families of our church. We believe that if our families are healthy, if individuals are healthy, if relationships are healthy, our church will be healthy. We can, we can have a healthy community in a healthy city if we invest there. That's why we do things like Exo Night. Shameless plug. If you haven't signed up for Exo Night, you need to make sure you do that. Jennifer and I, we got our tickets. We're going to be there this Friday night. EXO is going to be amazing. But we, we value relationships and we value investing in those. So here's what I want to do. I want to share with you just three qualities, three attractional qualities in the limited amount of time that we have, three attractional qualities that I think this. I think that if you have a desire to, to be in a relationship, this is a good place for you to say, okay, I'm going to work on these three qualities to have these in my life. But also, you may want to be looking for these three qualities in other people's life. If you're scoping and hoping and you're looking for a potential, okay, look for these three things. Listen, if you're married, if you're in an existing relationship right now, you need to take these three things. Don't, listen, don't use them as ammunition towards your husband or your wife or your spouse or your partner or whatever. Don't use this like, you need to work on this. You need to get this. To get. Don't do that. That's not good. I'm not, you don't preach to them. You receive this for yourself. It's not you, it's me, okay? You just receive this for yourself, part two of the collection. All right, here's the first one for you right here. Look, first attractional quality I think you got to have is this, godly character. you got to have godly character. You need to possess this and you need to pursue this. You need to possess this as a person, but you need to be looking for this in potential candidates for your, for, for, to be your spouse, or to be your companion, to be your married partner. Listen what Song of Solomon says in chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name, somebody say your name. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Notice that the first thing that she comments on other than the perfume or the cologne that he's wearing is not his looks. It's not his wealth. It's none of those things. She says, you know what? You have a good name. You're a man of character. No wonder people long to be around you and with you. You have a good name. You're a man with a good name. I, I want that. I, I want to be a man with a good name, uh, with a good reputation. Those that know me the most, those that have seen me for who I, I am, not just on a, on a stage or a platform, but behind closed doors, my wife, my children, my friends, I want them to say, you know what? He's got a good name. She's got a good name. They have a good reputation. This speaks to godly character. Listen, I, I'm telling you this, that there, there's, you, you, you got to know that there is a difference between name or reputation and character. You can have a good reputation, and that's about what you do, and you can perform in front of people, and you can have this image around other people. But to have godly character is more than just a reputation or a persona that you project. It's more than the Insta you or the Facebook you. Hello. It's the real you. It's the real you, and it can be, and you're a person of character. You have integrity, and there's honesty there. And people that know you the most, they can speak about you behind your back in a good way and say, she is a woman of character. He is a woman of character. I'm telling you, that's one of the most desirable things, to be a person of godly character. It doesn't matter how good you look. It doesn't matter how much money you have. All of those things are fading and fleeting. But godly character it remains. It's one of the most attractional things that we can have. We have to understand this, that godly character is more important quality than anything else. So let me ask you this question. How's your name? 
How's your reputation? How is your character? Is it intact? Because if this is the starting point, this is the thing that we have to constantly be working on and developing in our life. We have to constantly be looking in the spiritual proverbial mirror saying, God, what, what is it in me that you need to work on and work out? What is it that you need to illuminate in my life? Is it my attitude? Is it my pride? Is it my insecurity? Is it my low self-esteem? Do I come across snappy or poppy at people? What is it, Lord? Change me, fix me so that I'll have godly character and I can draw people closer to me. With that character, I was thinking about this. First, uh, one of the most famous um, famous scriptures that's read at weddings. You know what it is? First Corinthians thirteen. It's called the love chapter. The love chapter. It goes like something like, "The love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. Uh, love love does not keep a record of any wrongs. Uh, love is slow to get angry." Love is long-suffering. All these beautiful things. People read it at weddings and they're like, oh, it's so good. Look, it's long-suffering. It's patient. And all this Here, here's one of the things I found to do. Take out the word love and put your name there and see if it's true. Jason is patient. Oh, Lord, Jesus, help me. Jason's long-suffering. Jason, he's, he keeps no record of wrong when Jennifer does wrong. I mean, I'm telling you, that passage of Scripture is, is two things. One, it's a great mirror. So you can look at your own character, but it's also a great measuring stick. If there's people that maybe you're dating or people that are potential people that you could potentially date, you need to just break, don't do it to their face, but just kind of behind their back in the privacy of your prayer time. And you just break out the measuring stick of love is patient. Jessica is patient. Nope, she ain't even an option. Sarah is long suffering. Oh, Lord, she's not even, you know, you, you need to use it as a mirror first and then as a measuring stick for others. That's a good one right there for you. Work on your character. Um, here's, here's another scripture for you. I love this. Let's keep reading. Song, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. Here's what she says. She says, dark am I. I'm dark, yet I'm lovely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you what she means when she says I'm dark. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kadar, she says. The tents of Kadar were actually made out of black goat's hair. Yeah, it's creepy, I know. Dark like tents of Kadar, like black goat hair. Like the tent curtains of Solomon, which were also black. Says, do not stare at me, she says, because I'm dark. Because I'm darkened by the sun. So now she says where the complexion and the condition and the, of her skin comes from. I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me, and they made me take care of the vineyards, laboring out in the fields. My own vineyard, speaking of her body, I have neglected. See, see her skin, most scholars believe she was an olive complexion. She's a Shulamite, so she probably had olive skin. But because she was forced to stay working in fields all day long, probably seven days a week, her skin is now really, really dark, dry, and she's at a place where she's literally, she's saying, I know that I'm not maybe something pleasant to look at. Maybe I don't look as good as all the other women. But look what she says. I'm dark and yet I'm lovely. You know what she's saying? She's saying this. There's more to me than just what you see. There's an inner beauty on the You know what? There's godly character. Listen, I, physical qualities are wonderful. I married the hottest woman on the planet, okay? I'm all into it. But I can tell you, the most beautiful thing about a person, it's not what you can see. It's what you can sense. 
It's what you, 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 what you know about their spirit and their culture that's in them and the character that's in them. That is beautiful. It's godly, spiritual character. It's one of the most attractional things. It's one of the most beautiful things when you get around a person that has true joy. When you get around a person that truly has integrity, that truly has humility about them. I'm telling you, you're around them and they're life-giving to you. It's one of the most beautiful things. If, if it weren't for this, I don't know if Jennifer would have married me because I know I'm not the best looking. I feel like her, though I'm dark. Actually, mine would be pale. Though I'm so pale and pasty, yet I am lovely. And the church said amen. Dwayne, what you clapping at? So good. Oh, man. Listen, we live in a culture that values cosmetics over character. We, we value the aesthetics Look what Proverbs said, Proverbs 31, describing my wife. Hey, charm is deceptive and beauty disappears. But a woman who honors the Lord should be praised. He said character or charisma, charm, it's deceptive. Beauty, it disappears. But a woman who, who honors God, who loves the Lord, who pursues God, with all of her heart, soul, and mind, and strength. A, a woman with character is that she should be praised, and she should be pursued. She should be praised, and she should be pursued. You know, uh, whenever I think about uh, when I first fell in love with Jennifer, we were young. And, uh, and, and, and I remember walking into this church meeting. I went, ran to the restroom, and I came back in. And we had been dating, and I liked her a lot, and we thought we loved each other. But I remember this was the moment when I fell in love with Jennifer. She loved me from the day she was born. But this was the moment <laughs> when I, this was my Kairos moment, where this divine. I walked in, I'm, I was drying my hands off, and I looked up. It was during worship, and I saw her for the first time I ever saw this. I saw her on her knees with tears streaming down her face, worshiping God. And it was in that moment I said, I'm going to marry her. Because that's the type of woman I want to have in my life. If I have a woman like that by my side, I know my kids are going to be all right. I know she's not going to cheat on me, run out on me. Like I, if I can have a woman like that that puts God before she puts me, we're going to make everything all right. It's going to be good. We're going to have a great marriage. I love you, girl. Hey. Now let's flip that script around a little bit. Proverbs 31. Let's just change it up. I'm going to give you the JTL version. That's the Jason T. Laird version. Let's just reword a little bit for the fellas. Charisma is deceptive and biceps and abs disappear. <laughs> Amen for all the fellas with the dad bods. Amen. It says biceps, your abs. You may have them at 16 or 19 or some of you 22-year-olds. Just wait till you're 36. Wait till you're 45. It's going to be somewhere else down the street. Leave those at in and out. He's saying, listen, your muscles, your abs, all that stuff, it's, it's all good. It's good. But it will fade. But a man who honors the Lord should be praised and pursued. Ladies, listen to me right now. If you're single and, and you're praying for God to give you a companion, um, I'm telling you the most important thing is that he loves Jesus with all of his heart, that he has godly character. Amen? How can we become spiritually attractive with godly character? I'm going to give you these few things really quick. And, uh, and I may have to miss out on one of these points and share it next week. But uh, here's one of them. Pursue God through the word and worship. 
Number one, I'm telling you, it's transformation through adoration. You adore God in worship, spending time in his word, transformation through adoration. He will begin to change your character. You can't change yourself. God can change you. God can change you. Where you deal with pride, sir, God can bring humility in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God's spirit in you that works the fruit of the spirit out in your life. Godly character comes from him. It's his work, not yours. He does all the work. You get, he gets all the credit. You just work alongside with the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. Pursue God through the word and worship. Here's another one. Pursue your God-given purpose. You know what? Character, I believe God develops our character as we're serving. Reminds us that life is not about us. Uh, one of the things that's so attractive about Jennifer, I love it. Whenever I see her uh, leading our children and loving our children or leading on the, she'll come up here and, and maybe teach or speak or pray, leading in different environments, leading up in the kids' ministry. I just look at her, I'm like, girl, that's sexy. Keep doing that, just serving, leading, oh, operating in your God-given purpose. And then whenever I'll get up and preach sometimes or say something, we were at an event Friday night and I got to get up with a few pastors and, you know, say a few things. And she was just like, kind of put her hand on my leg. When I came down off the platform, she just kind of just patted me a little bit. I'm like, yeah, girl, what's up? Operating in my God-given purpose right now. That's why we have, shameless plug, the growth track to help you. <laughs> your God-given purpose. Here's another one for you. Pursue godly standards. Talk about godly character. Godly character, this is the heading. You want to have godly character? Then pursue godly standards. Pursue godly standards. I love what she says in chapter 1, verse 7. Tell me. You, she, this is her speaking to Solomon. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Here's what she's saying. Solomon, where you work, the place where you work. She says, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? Now, let me tell you what that is. Some of you are like, I don't have veiled women that work at my work, you know. Okay, here's what this is. These women that were veiled looked very seductive. And they would, they would go to where the shepherds were working. And they would stand on the fringes of the field waiting there for them to get off of work, seducing them before they went home to their families. And they would pay, they were prostitutes, they would pay a price to be with these women. And look what she says. She says, I'm not like the other women. I have different standards. I have higher standards. No one can pay me to do something with them. I'm not compromising my body. I'm not going to dishonor my God and dishonor my body just, to, just so that you will love me. I'm not compromising. I'm not like those other women. And if you want this, Solomon, you better put a ring on it. <laughs> JT version, right there. Watch this. Listen to me. This woman says that there are some things I am not going to do with you to get you or to keep you. I'm not going to be like the veiled women that will do anything with anybody for a price. I'm different. And I unapologetically have higher standards than the average person. And I unapologetically put a high price and value on myself. Listen, a person with low standards usually has a low valuation of themselves. Here's another way to say it. A person with low standards, listen, they usually have a low self-esteem. They, they esteem themselves lowly. And so they let their standards go down and they'll do anything with anyone because they're desperate to be loved and to be valued and to be cared for. And this woman says, I know my value. Listen, you, I, I always tell my friends this. You need to put a high value on yourself because you can rest assured no one else in this world will raise your price. Put a high value on yourself. Amen from all the ladies. The bottom line, listen, 
for me is if you want what everyone else has, then just do what everyone else is doing. You want a marriage like everybody else? Just have their standards. Just have the standards of this world. But you want something special. You want something of high value. Then you got to call yourself up higher. Say, I'm going to have higher standards. Where do you get those standards? God's word. Get the standards for every area of your life in the word of God. Elton, you can come on up here and play some spiritual keys and get things sounding spiritual for us. How many of you love Elton? I'm going I'm to skip the second point and just go right to the third one because I think this is really important. I wanted to land here anyway. Here's, a, here's the second thing, and I'll give, you the, I'll give you the second point next week. But point number three is un, unending encouragement. Is it, you begin to look at this. She's like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm lovely, but she gets to a safe place with him, and she says, I'm going to share with you in this safe space um, something. And, and she says, I, I deal with insecurity. She says over and over again, I'm dark. I know I don't look great and this, that, whatever. And I, she's, she, she deals with insecurity. And she feels like she doesn't look beautiful. I've kind of let myself go. I think in marriage that can happen where we get to a place where like I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of let myself go some and we deal with insecurities. But I love this because though she's dealing with insecurities, uh, struggles, and some of these things, uh, maybe a little bit of shame, She's like, I'm in, this ten- I'm in this tension because I know that I'm valuable, but I also I don't feel beautiful. And, and so she, she trusts him enough to say that. And so then he starts, to, he starts to come at her with unending encouragement. It never stops. He just starts praising her and affirming her and celebrating her. He says this in, in verse 9 through 15, I liken you, my darling, to a mare. That's a horse, which is kind of funny, okay? Don't use that, fellas, if you're like, hey, girl, you look like a horse. That's not going to work out in 2018. But this is, look, it says, I liken you to a, a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. You know what that is? These were these beautiful, white, rare, precious horses. They were priceless. And the Pharaoh from Egypt, they shipped them to Solomon. And Solomon had these horses. Many people believe that they were, they were, a form, they were like horses that were of deity. So they were these creatures uh, from, from deity, these godly creatures. But Solomon says, you know what? The way I see you, I see you the way that people see those, those horses. He's like, I see you as this beautiful, priceless, precious creation from God Almighty. That's what he's saying to her. You are precious. You are priceless. He says, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold from Tiffany's studded with silver. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. She's just, she's just like in that moment. They're like having a date night and dinner. And then, oh, this is X-rated right here. My lover is to me like a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. Listen, I don't know what a sachet is, but I'm sure he was just glad to be one, okay? <laughs> I got to hurry. Stop laughing. My lover... My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms with red flowers like the vineyards of Engedi. But look, he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes. What's amazing is as he begins to unload encouragement on her, he's, he's saying, this is what I see. I know what you see, but let me tell you what I see in you. Let me tell you how beautiful you are. He's encouraging her. He's speaking prophetically. He's evoking her beauty. He's calling out the best in her. And then when you begin to read on, it's amazing. The next chapter, just one chapter later, she says, chapter 2, verse 1, 
I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. She goes from saying, I'm dark, I'm not lovely, I'm not much to look at. She goes, I'm a rose. I'm a lily. A rose is singular. It's not, it doesn't grow in a bundle, all bundled up. It grows on a stem all by itself. She's saying, I am his single focus. I am not bundled in with all the other women of this world, but he loves me, and I'm special, and I'm safe in his arms, and, and I'm precious. She's starting to see her value because of his unending encouragement. Here's what I want to tell you. Listen, you'd be amazed, some of you, how God could use your words to shape something special and beautiful in your spouse, in your, in your husband, or your wife, even in your children. And I'll finish with this little thought here. I was, at, uh, I was in Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas for an evening called Senior Prophetic Night. I was like, I don't even know what that means. That sounds so spiritual. But what it was is prophetic, prophetic ministry is simply this. Prophetic ministry is you, hear, you ask God, God, give me an encouraging, edifying word for this person that will build them up, that will strengthen them, and then God will give it to you in three different ways. You'll hear him say something, not an audible voice, but you just kind of hear it. You'll sense something or you'll see something. And so I'm in this moment and, and they said, hey, we have these seniors of high school. You're about to finish high school. You're going off to college. And you've come here tonight because we have a team, a prophetic team that they've been praying over your names. And they have something that God wants to share and speak to you to encourage you. And in just a moment, they're going to do that. Some of them heard, heard something from God to speak into your life. Some of them saw something in your life, and some of them, they just sent something, and they're going to share it. But this is what the guy said. He said, but before we do that, you're about to receive the most powerful word you've ever probably received in your life. Seniors, I want you to stand up. All the seniors stood up, and then this pastor said, dads, I want you to stand up next to your child. The father stood up, and you could see these dads, because, you know, us men, we're like, don't, I, I want to be in control. Don't tell me what to do. You know, these men were like sweating. They were like, what's going to happen? And this pastor said, dads, I want you to turn and look into the eyes of your daughter and your son. And it was kind of awkward at first. And this pastor said this, said, dads, I want you to ask the Lord, what, what do you see in them? I want you to speak to who they are. And I want you to begin to evoke their potential and call out the potential. Begin to esteem them and praise them. I'm telling you in this moment, it was so powerful. These dads that were like, came in all tough and rough, engineers, some plant workers came, came in and they, they're just standing there like this. By the end of it, they're bawling and crying. Their, their daughter or their son is crying. This moment was so beautiful and so special because of the encouragement and every student left. There were students that came in that looked bored, that looked distracted, that looked angry, that looked like they didn't want to be there. Every one of them when they left, I'm telling you, their face was glowing because someone called out of them the potential and the destiny on the inside of them. Listen, you want your marriages to be stronger? Unending encouragement. You want your relationships to be stronger? Unending encouragement. You want your children to be stronger? Unending encouragement. Amen? Come on, I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, we love you so much. And God, I thank you for this word today. You've spoken so much to us and God, I feel like there's, there's, there's so much more. My heart is just overflowing with things because I'm passionate about this. And God, I'm not perfect. I'm a pastor, but I'm not perfect. These things right here, I need to work on my character. I need to work on my words with my wife and my children. I'm not perfect. I don't say this from a place of perfection, but from a place of progress. I'm just trying to take one step after the other. And God, I pray for every person here. God, we desire to have healthy, 
relationships, healthy marriages, healthy homes, healthy families. And God, we love you. God, and we realize that in this collection, there's many people that maybe they're dealing with loneliness. Maybe they feel rejected. Maybe they went through a bad divorce or maybe someone left them. And God, I just pray at the outset of this collection that you would bring healing to hearts, that you would bring hope to people that maybe have lost hope for companionship. That God, that you'd come alongside them, Holy Spirit, that you would bring comfort and that you would encourage hearts. Use this collection to speak to people. Hey, with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me just ask you this. You say today, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I wanna commit my life to Jesus. I'm not gonna get you to come down to the front or stand up or anything like that. I just wanna see your hand if you want me to include you in a prayer. If that's you, you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I wanna become a follower of Jesus. Will you just slip up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Just slip up your hand. Anybody in here, you say, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ma'am. We just pray a prayer, something like this, just in your own heart. Jesus, I come to you right now and I thank you that you see the best in me. You call the best out of me. And today I just commit my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins to give me a fresh start and a new beginning. Will you forgive me today? I commit my life to you. I want to follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.